Welcome to the September 27th worship service for North Coast United Methodist Church. It continues to be our blessing to provide to you this electronic means to celebrate with us and worship. We thank you all for joining us in this journey, and let's join together at this time in prayer. Precious God, be with us. Speak through the scripture. Help us hear your love through the music. And be so loud that we see your face and follow your love. In your son's precious name I pray. Amen. Generation to generation, you have granted your people miracle upon miracle. Grant us the miracle of your presence as we enter into the heart of worship. Let's have the kids come forward for children's time. I know a lot of you guys are, are in school, and I know that a lot of you guys are dealing with something. And I want to share with you one of the fears that I had when I was in school. I was always afraid to ask a question. I was always afraid to raise my hand and to tell the teacher that I didn't understand what was going on because I was worried about what other people would think about me based on my question. Especially if I got lost or confused in the subject. I was worried that other people would think I wasn't paying attention I was worried that other people would make fun of me because of whatever question that I had to ask. I was so afraid to ask a question that sometimes I just got kind of stuck and left behind because I was never brave enough to ask a question to figure out what I needed to do. There was a real blessing to me that I heard a phrase for the first time that so many of us as adults have heard over and over again, but it's, it's real and it's true. 
there was this phrase that I heard for the first time and it set me free to ask a question and not worry about what people would think of me for asking it, not worrying about if people would wonder if I was paying attention or not by asking it. And the phrase was this, there is no such thing as a bad question. There is no such thing as a bad question. That set me free because the times that I was afraid to ask a question, the times that I was afraid to kind of be vulnerable and say, hey, I don't understand, I was actually making the situation worse. And I realized within myself, the only bad question is not asking a question at all. For the last few weeks, I've been sharing in the sermons with your parents a collection of people asking questions because there's something that they're worried about and there's something that they need a promise for and there's something they need hope for. And the only way we can get the answers to those, the only way we can figure out if we are doing the right thing or not, or if we understand what is required of us or if we don't, or even that we understand what we're being told, is to be brave and to jump out and to ask a question. And even though we may be worried how people might look at us for some of the questions that we ask, the only way that we know that we're on the right path and we understand what's going on is to be brave and ask the questions. Now, over the last few weeks, talking to your parents, the questions that I've asked you have been really important people in their cultures asking questions. And really important people who had a lot to lose if they asked the wrong question. But they were still brave and they were still willing to be vulnerable enough to ask a question so that they could learn and grow and have some insurance of what they were doing. I want you to know, don't be afraid. If there's a question that sits in your heart and you need to ask somebody, be brave and ask them. Because sometimes the answers will help us get rid of a worry and we can go play and be happy. Sometimes the answers will give us a new tool that we can go out and we can play better and we can have more fun. If we're brave enough to ask the questions and to take time to hear what the answers are. As you guys are at school and you're trying to figure everything out and you're trying to weigh out what you're doing, what your responsibilities are. Do I understand what the teacher just said? Do, am I getting the concept of the lesson today? I want you to know sometimes the worst thing you can do is to not ask the question that's bothering you because you get left behind because you didn't ask it. Be brave and be pure and be honest and when questions come to your life, not just at school, you know, the importance of moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, mentors, coaches, preachers, and Sunday school teachers is to be dear friends who are there that you can turn to and ask questions to. And let me tell you a secret, because this is one of the things that I like the most about being a pastor.
is it actually makes me feel important when people come and ask me questions. So sometimes, if you have a question that's bothering you and worrying you, you get a blessing from learning the answer. And I'll, I'll tell you even more. You give somebody else a blessing from being able to help you figure it out. Let's keep that secret between us. But don't keep it a secret. Do it. Give somebody else the blessing to help you. Be willing to ask questions and be brave and and find somebody to help you figure figure things out. Hold on to that today. And may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. As we move into our time of prayer, I'll share with you here at North Coast United Methodist Church in Oceanside, California, we've begun an amended uh, worship gathering in person. It's outdoors, it's social distance, masks are required. Uh, We have a pretty cool uh, FM radio device that enables people to hear the service from the safety and social distancing from their cars. uh, the way that this service is uh, altered is it's a prayer service. And each week, our prayers focus around de- general themes. Everybody takes time of personal inward prayer, and we have a short sermon. And this week's prayer requests uh, have touched me, so I want to make sure that they're included in our video offering. Uh, this video uh, that we put on YouTube, Facebook, is our only full worship service still at this time with music and and so forth but i want to make sure everyone has a chance to participate in these prayers and i may not name them specifically but i will name for you the general themes that will appear as we celebrate these in our worship service this weekend we're going to have prayers for parents with concerns of their children you know even as adults uh, you your kids are still your kids i my oldest child is 17 years old and my oldest child is still my baby so we we live lives that are our children are our children they're our babies there we worry about them we pray for them and we want their health to be well uh, one of the major themes uh, in our prayer request this weekend is for babies 
And once again, we are holding out prayers for where that there are unrest. We're holding out prayers to where people so direly want to be heard that they take to the streets and work to be heard. Now, unfortunately, where one person steps out to be heard, sometimes others step in to uh, take advantage of the situation. So we, we just hold out prayers for the, the hurting voices who direly want to be heard. And we pray for the ones who step out in peace to open doors of conversation, to open avenues of peace and, and growth and open ways to work towards to solve problems. Uh, the, our prayers this, this week go towards the, the hurting voices. So uh, today, as we move into this prayer time, let's hold on to these prayers as well as the prayers that you hold in your hearts that the Lord Jesus Christ may shine through showing, if not the answers to those prayers, new avenues that we receive blessings that we never dreamed of. Amen. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, we join you today, ready to listen to the parables you share with us. Our hearts are ready to sing your praises and to celebrate your holy name. Unite our hearts as one, even when we feel alone in our celebration, and give us the capacity to love your name with every beat of our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Our Father, Father who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy, thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The scripture for today is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, We are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The Parable of the Two Sons What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's join together in prayer. Precious God, we thank you for tipping the tables. We thank you for the way that the existence of your Son, Jesus Christ, turned things around in such a way that individuals can find their place in the kingdom of heaven. Today, as we look at Matthew 21, and we look at these questions that the chief priest is asking Christ, we look at what it means to have a Redeemer who grabs power and gives it to those who needs it the most. Be with us today, God. Nothing happens unless it's sparked by you. Be the words. Amen. Over the last few weeks, and we go back way back, four weeks ago, to Romans chapter 13, and we begin to watch the Apostle Paul construct the reality of what the existence of Jesus Christ means. Paul says in Romans 13 that Christ came, that love came into the world so that love could fulfill the law. 
explaining to individuals who built their lives around a structure, both trying to follow the kingdom rules of Rome and trying to follow the rules and the cultural history of what they understood as faith, the Apostle Paul begins to lay the foundation on what it means to follow a Redeemer that has done everything that needs to be done. And all we need to do is to confess in our mouths and and believe in our hearts the reality of the Lord Jesus and we will find fulfillment to law. Then, three weeks ago, we move into Romans chapter 14. And as we move into Romans chapter 14, we begin to look at Paul deal with individuals trying to process what he's shared. Dealing with the individual questions and dealing with the construct of what it means to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul spends Romans chapter 14 once again laying out the construct that it's not what we do, it's what Christ did that makes reality. We're looking at the reality. Last week, we looked at the book of Exodus, and we began to look at this journey, this idea, and as we began to continue to be the ones who are locked in traditions and locked in the ideas of what must we do to be saved, we see individuals who are stuck in the middle of the journey or the beginning. They may be close to the end, but we know here historically it was many, 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 many years that they were on the journey. And we begin to see these individuals question the path that they're on. They even begin to question the path that they were on to such an extent that they begin to think that it was better to go back to the oppressive state that they were in. The oppressive state that they were in. Instead of being on this journey that would one day get them to the promised land. All of these things laid out together have been three examples of who do we look for? We look for the love that overcomes the law. Who do we look for? We look for the love that we respond to, that we reach out to receive because of the actions of someone else. What do we look for? We look for the hope that exists at the end of a long journey, even though that the long journey can be tiring and frustrating. And then this week, we begin to see these levels of questioning reach another point as outside observers continue to see what Jesus Christ is doing. They begin to ask the question, where do you get your authority? Where does the authority of love come that makes love the fulfillment 
of the law. Where does the authority of love come from that helps it become the thing that we respond to instead of the list of have-tos to complete the task? Where does the authority of love come from when we are on this long journey trying to reach the promised land and to sit and rest in the fulfillment of God's love? Where does the authority come from? Today, I'm going to do this sermon way I did my first sermons 20 years ago. I'm going to read a bulk of scripture. We're going to talk about what they're saying. I'm going to try to apply it to where we're at right now. And hopefully at the end of this, we can have an assurance that we can have something to turn to as we continue to deal with where that our focus should be as we are dealing with what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. I'll lay the four weeks out again and then we'll get going on this one. The first week talking about it's love that takes the control. The second week that it's love, it's the actions of love. Not what we do, but it's the actions of love that makes things possible. And then last week, this long journey, and even though we reach these moments that we are tired and exhausted in the middle of that journey, that there is still persevering place when we know to look towards the shepherd's staff and to continue to follow it to the promised land, even though the journey seems like it is one that is never ending. We have the assurance that we will reach to that place of the promise when we can proclaim and believe and follow and act upon where the authority comes from. So we're looking at Romans chapter 21 today, and this is one of those things, as soon as Christ begins to be seen, as soon as Christ begins to become noticed, he's doing the miracles. He's turning the tables around. There are always places that want to push back, and there will always be places that will not want to relinquish the strength and power that they have, especially when there is a new reality that is stealing their place of power from them. We're going to see that conversation. We're going to see the ones with earthly power begin to push back on Christ that is beginning to present something that is outside of their control, something that is that they can't create, something that is eternal and unending to proclaim the real power and to point towards the hope that is to come. Let's look at the first two few scriptures of... Matthew chapter 21. Let's let's go ahead and start out with reading Matthew 21, uh, 23 through 25, and it 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 shares it shares this. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked, and who? gave you this authority. We'll go ahead and just stop at verse 23. 
Because here's what's happening. A question is never a question. We've all looked at this all the way back to Matthew, uh, to Romans chapter 13 and 14. A question is never just a question. There is something that an individual wants to hear, and there is something that an individual is trying to hold on to when a question is asked. When we look all the way back to Romans 14 from from three weeks ago, and we looked at the individual asking if I am doing the right thing, or if these individuals are doing the wrong thing, or are they doing the right thing and I'm doing the wrong thing, they're not trying to disprove another person. There is an eternal question that's being asked, and the individual asking the question wants assurance of their eternity. It's not a question challenging the actions of another person. They need assurance within their actions. This question is not just a question. This, the, the chief priest may care where Christ is getting his power from, but the chief priest is trying to assert his power in this conversation. He's the one who walks out empowered by the greater kingdom of the earthly realm. He's the one who has power and responsibility based on things that he understands. And he begins to ask the question, where does your authority come from? Because he knows where he got his. It becomes a power struggle within this conversation. It becomes him coming out to say, I'm the one. I'm the one in charge. You need to prove yourself to me as you as we begin this conversation and move forward. I, I tell you, I'm pure and and the, these are unedited. I, I, I let the stumbling, mumbling flaws stay in these because if we were here in this place of worship, I would mumble through places and I want this as real as possible for you guys. The purity of it all. See, that's where Christ's strength comes from. See, this person comes from a place of power, and he's trying to assert that power in a place because it's what benefits him. And within this conversation, Jesus Christ is about to turn things over. Because if you look at everything that Jesus Christ has done through the miracles all the way up to this point, and then after this point to the death, burial, and resurrection. This chief priest exists in a realm where power means what he can get from it. Power means what he can benefit from it. And Jesus Christ's existence is the pure, real, uncut, unedited reality that our actions should be about what we can provide for others and not what we can collect for ourselves. It's why the chief priest begins to step out and project his power to Christ within the question that he's asking. Because it makes him scared that someone's coming and doing something so radically different from him that he's going to lose what he has benefited from for so many years. See, this whole conversation between Christ and the chief priest becomes the difference between what it means to have authority on an earthly realm and have an authority in the heavenly realm. Jesus Christ becomes the one who begins to walk the walk 
and display what it means to truly care for the ones who need care. To give up what creates power. And Christ begins to weigh out the reality that to become the one that is the most powerful, you are also the one that gives away that power so that others can find their place at the table of Jesus Christ. So Christ begins to weigh that out. Let's look at 24 and, and through 26. Jesus replies, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it from human origin? There's Christ's first shot at the authority of the chief, chief priest. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask then, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So, here comes the challenge. The chief priest is already worried that the power shifted in this conversation. Instead of being willing to have a place of open honesty, like I just shared with the video, I'm leaving the flaws and the, and the mistakes in because it's what you would see here. It's the pure honesty of the conversation. Instead of being in a moment of the pure honesty of the conversation, the chief priest begins to make this a game of holding power. Jesus Christ asks him a direct question. Where did the power of John the Baptist come from? And the chief priest begins to weigh out, i got to give an answer that pleases the people because all the people think he's a prophet. But if I say he's a prophet, then he's going to ask me, why didn't I believe him? It becomes a game of walking a tightrope and trying to please people and trying to say the right things and do the right things so that you can keep the power and keep control. That is what is happening here with this chief priest. And Jesus Christ has him right where he wants him. Because the reality of the heavenly realm is not playing a game with the answers and it's not trying to say the right thing to please the right person. It's the pure, vulnerable heart saying, I believe he was a prophet. I believe that he was sent by God. Or, in trueness, it's saying, I think John was crazy. He ate locusts. He wore bear furs and lived in the woods. And he was dirty. And he screamed at people when he preached. That guy kind of freaked me out. So I think he was crazy, so I didn't believe him. See, both of those answers have a level of honesty and in this response it's a chief priest trying to keep power by calculating an answer that would help him stay in power and his response back is not giving an answer we don't know then he said neither will i tell you by what authority i am doing these things which keeps the power of the conversation in Christ's court. See, we get stuck in these places sometimes that we have been blessed with so many things and we're worried about losing them. 
You know, there's a lot of power that comes from the assurance of eternal life. And that goes back to the conversations from two or three weeks ago that we've had. When we go back to Romans 13, the Apostle Paul's weighing out the source and sharing the source, laying the foundation of the house that says our salvation comes from the one, the love that fulfills the law. Then we move to Romans 14. And it becomes this fear and this challenge of losing the blessing. Am I doing the right stuff? Uh, is eating this bacon cheeseburger going to knock me out of the kingdom of heaven? Is that guy that's just eating a fruit salad, is he going to get there before me? It's this worry of losing the gift. It's this worry of losing the gift. And as Christ is going through this conversation in this week, in Matthew 21, it's someone that has power and he's worried about losing it. And the first thing he does is he comes out and he exerts his power. The second thing he does is he starts to weigh out his answer so he doesn't lose his power from the answer, which shows that he never had the power to begin with. Then Christ, he's got him against the ropes. It's like Muhammad Ali and, and Joe Frazier. And right now, Christ has got him against the ropes. And the next part of this scripture is a knockout blow that really shows where the power and authority truly lies. Christ doesn't say where that my power is, but Christ in this next part says to the chief priest, you don't have it. Matthew 21, 28 through 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons, and he, when he went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of these two did what the father wanted? Well, the first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you and showed you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. When Christ lays this out, here's what he does. He takes the image of the least of these that exists within the minds of the chief priests. He takes the ones that they have talked against and that they have shamed and they have cast rumors about. Christ takes the ones that the chief priests disdained and makes them the living example of what it means to inherit the kingdom of God. See, throughout this whole conversation, you've got one side trying to hold on to power that they never had, and you've got one side displaying the source of grace and love that is open for all to receive. And as the ones begin to have the doors open to them, that they refuse to believe what John the Baptist said because they would lose their power, Jesus Christ has them against the ropes, and throws a knockout blow, it says, 
you because you didn't believe. You don't have the power. And the kingdom of heaven are for those who have called upon the name of the Lord and reached out in actions of justifying grace and received it. This is the most direct image of Christ. I talk about how much I love the sarcastic Christ and I, I need to have the sarcastic Christ because it's the sarcastic Christ that exists within these conversations that lays the path of salvation so clearly so that people who feel lost and forgotten can find it and walk on it. There's something I want to remind you and I share this every time I talk about when Jesus Christ turns the tables over in the, in the temple from the money changers. See, I don't think that Jesus Christ has any wasted motion because I know that Jesus Christ knows that He's always being watched. And as much of an example of Jesus Christ turning the tables over in the temple is a statement towards the money changers, it becomes also a statement of freedom from everybody that was oppressed by the money changers watching Him do it. As Jesus Christ used in this last section of the Scripture, the prostitutes and the tax collectors as the examples of the ones who will enter the kingdom of heaven before the chief priest, Jesus Christ knows that they're listening to Him talk to the chief priest. He's not just pushing back at someone trying to hold on to power that they don't actually have. Jesus Christ is also teaching the ones who feel neglected and oppressed that they have a place at the table of the true power. Jesus Christ did not waste words. Jesus Christ did not waste motions. And when he said the names he said, he was both making a statement to someone who pushes them down and setting free the ones that he's mentioning who are listening and are trying to find their place in the kingdom. Here's what I want you to take from this sermon this week. There are so many ways that we search for power and we're afraid to lose it. When we're dealing with our faith, when we're dealing with religion, we are dealing with eternal questions. There is an assurance that we all want to have. We have an assurance that we need to know that there's something next. We need to know that there is a hope. We need to know, just like last week, when that we are on this long journey and we can't even see the promised land, we need the hope of the promised land. And as we deal with the eternal questions, we need to remember it's not the power that we have that makes the answer of that eternal question. It's the power that we share that creates that kingdom here on earth. In the Lord's Prayer it says, as on earth as it is in heaven. And as we weigh out that reality, we begin to weigh out about proclaiming where the power truly lies with believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths the Lord Jesus. We will be saved because it is with your heart you believe to righteousness and your voice you confess towards salvation. 
proclaiming the place of where the real power is so that we can create a kingdom here on earth. And then one day, at the end of the very long, long, long journey, go to the true table of righteousness and see something that we never imagined before. Hold on to that. As we weigh out this challenge of power, I want you to remember the true power comes through our Wesleyan history of our participation in justifying grace. It's the acknowledgement that the power exists outside of us. and It's something that we are reaching out to receive and participate with. It's not something that we have to hold and make our own. It's not something that we hold for our own personal benefits. It's the thing that sets us free to go out to help others be set free as well and find their place at the tables of grace. That's our sermon for this week. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. God is love. Amen. As we've moved into our time of offering, we'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to North Coast UMC. Dot org and click on the give button again that's northcoastumc.org and click on the give button thank you for joining us oh lord my god when i in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made i see the stars i hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my savior god to how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing, sent him to scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How
How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Let's join together for our closing benediction. As the generations before you have done... Go and deliver God's word to those who need to hear them. Go forth and live out what God has blessed you to do. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you through your week. Amen.